blood moon has risen. It is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from another world. Greetings. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. When you have a moment to spare, please subscribe to the show and leave a review. We are seeking to bring to life stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. If you have a story you want brought to life, please make your submission at Blood Moon Podcast. Thank you to all of the listeners for your support. Cheryl from New Hampshire has a black cat story to share. This true account is called One More Goodbye. My dad was in hospice in Florida, and I live in New Hampshire. He was 96 years old, and he struggled to do things properly at that point. Mainly because he always thought it was important to do things correctly. He did not like to make mistakes. He was in a coma following a heart attack and stroke. They thought it happened simultaneously one night. My sister and I had spoken earlier that day. We knew he would pass soon because the prognosis was not good and we had a do not resuscitate order. It was a Saturday before Thanksgiving and it was messy outside. The roads were bad. My sister had called me earlier around 1 p.m. so I could speak to my dad. I had just seen him the week before, so nobody wanted me to return to Florida to watch him die. We spoke daily, and for many months a common question he had been asking me was, 
what am I supposed to do? When I was speaking to him that day, I explained why I couldn't come. I also reminded him how often he asked me what he should be doing. I told him I thought he should stop breathing and go to be with mom, who had predeceased him. Four hours later, I got a text from my sister telling me that he had passed. My husband was clearing out his parents' home in Massachusetts, so I was home alone. I called him to let him know that my dad passed away. Then I sat at my desk with my back to the bedroom door and began calling people. I hung up the phone after a call and heard footfalls. Then I felt two hands firmly grasp my shoulders, holding on to me for several seconds. I turned around, not even realizing that my husband could not possibly have made the trip home so quickly. Of course, I saw no one, but I immediately knew it was my dad. I called my sister to tell her what happened. She said, Wow, he really got to you that quickly. Welcome back. Before we present the next story, I want to recommend the listeners to check out a podcast called Ultimate Human Death Bomb. Right now, we all need some levity and laughs, and the guys at UHD provide just that. UHD reviews the absolute worst, weirdest, and funniest movies that they can find. Nick and his friends cover a variety of topics, and I find their personal stories and anecdotes to be hilarious. I'm already recommending the podcast to friends, so go check out Ultimate Human Death Bomb. Oh, and you can follow the show on Instagram at UHD Podcast. Anonymous in Los Angeles has a different type of story. One that we refer to on Blood Moon as an owl story. It's called Dystopian Dream.
The story is about a disturbing dream that I had last night. It was unlike other dreams in that it was extremely vivid and lifelike. I don't know what could have influenced this dream. I'm on a plane or a ship that have large wide windows. There are a lot of people on this plane and I'm sitting in the back with a childhood friend. We are traveling at a high rate of speed when everyone sees a naked humanoid flying with a jetpack. What is that? The being's light brown hair was flowing as it traveled at the same speed as our plane. People started to panic. I got up and went to the window with the intention of taking a picture. My phone wouldn't work, so I scrambled to restart it. The other passengers were yelling at me not to take pictures. For some reason, they believed taking a picture would endanger us. I was able to snap one picture. Unfortunately, the humanoid didn't notice. Suddenly, the humanoid flies down to a compound that looks like a mountainous city. The compound then collapses into the ground, and it is covered by a wooded picnic area, complete with barbecues and picnic tables. It looked as though the compound never existed. The passengers began to freak out. I looked at the picture I just took, but in its place was a photo of the picnic area. Superimposed over the picture was a message stating that I took an unauthorized photo and the land is the property of some religious group. The plane abruptly changes course and lands at the entrance of the compound. We're offloaded into an expansive hallway with opaque rectangular lights along the walls. The walls were gray and the ground is black with a sheen. We're escorted to a lectern where two processing agents were waiting for us. One was male and the other female. They're humanoid and the female looks slightly Asian. We're all confused as to what is happening, but somehow we know that we are never going home. I tried to reason with the agents. I told them to let the other passengers leave since I was the one that took the picture. They tell me, We are not allowed to let you go. Next thing I know, I'm sitting up against a wall on the floor with two or three other girls. They're younger, perhaps in their 20s. The girls are telling me that there are other humans trapped in this facility. I begin to freak out, and suddenly across the hall, we see the wall slide open. It opens in a similar fashion as the automatic doors at a grocery store, two panels sliding in opposite directions. A frightening bald man walks through the doorway and throws another girl in our direction. 
She falls to the ground with a tortured look on her face. We help her up and sit her against the wall. She covers her face with her hands and then slowly looks up at us. She then utters, Pain. The painful expression on her face remained. Physically, she is fine, no cuts or bruises, but she is clearly terrified. Our new cellmate begins to tell us that she's in pain due to the interrogation. The interrogator tried to extract information from her by getting into her brain. He was torturing her telepathically. The girl then tells us, They are deprogramming us so that we can be perfect humans. Then, the bald man returns and abducts one of the other girls for interrogation. Was this just a dream, or was I peering into another reality? Let's hope Anonymous has sweet dreams tonight. We have another chilling account to tell. It is Dr. Hopkins's Visitor, Part 2. Dr. Herbert Hopkins awakens from another nightmare. Night after night, the sinister visitor would invade his dreams to remind the doctor not to pursue his investigation of the David Stevens UFO encounter. We can do the same to your heart. The visitor's identity is still unknown. Recalling that the visitor claimed to be from the New Jersey UFO Research Organization, Dr. Hopkins checks for any information pertaining to the group. Shockingly, no such organization ever existed. More anomalies began to take hold of the Hopkins residence in Orchard Beach, Maine. Herbert, the phone is out again. 
a dead phone line has become a common occurrence. The doctor's patients would also bear witness to the phone interference. Hi, doctor. I tried calling the other day, but a voice came over the line saying that your number's out of service. Uh, you're not the first to tell me that. We'll look into it. So what can I do for you? The call is inexplicably disconnected. Subsequent calls are met with screeching static. The Hopkins family decides to report their problems to the phone company. Despite the efforts of the phone technicians, the source for the disruption cannot be found. It seems that Dr. Hopkins and his family are under surveillance by unknown forces. The bizarre events would also reach into the lives of the doctor's oldest son, John, and his wife, Maureen. The phone rings at the home of John and Maureen Hopkins. Maureen answers, and on the other end of the line is a man claiming to be acquainted with her husband. The stranger boldly asks if he and a friend can stop by for a visit. She resists the imposition. At a nearby restaurant, John Hopkins meets a strange couple. Although they appear to be young, both are dressed in dark clothing and seem to be out of place or perhaps out of time. The man has brill creamed hair as well as a high-pitched voice. The woman also has an odd inflection to her voice. She is wearing bright red lipstick, just like the doctor's visitor. John then notices an odd physical feature. Their ears are set a little further back than normal. Although John realizes that it is the same man that called his wife, He knows that he never met him. As if John cannot control his thoughts, he asks, How about the two of you come back to the house? The couple accept the invitation. John watches with curiosity as the woman stands up in a mechanical fashion. Leaving the restaurant is laborious for the unusual couple. They make quick, short strides in a forward posture, as if they are ice skating. John arrives home with the strangers. The pair are welcomed by Maureen, and they take a seat on the couch in the living room. Soon the man bombards John and Maureen with questions. Do you watch television much? What do you read? What do you talk about? The woman remained silent during the questioning. Then, without warning, 
the man becomes affectionate with his rigid female companion. The stranger then looks at John and asks, Is this how you do it? Is this right? John abruptly exits the room, leaving his wife alone with the uncanny couple. The stranger turns to Maureen. Will you sit here? Sit next to me. Sit. Again, Maureen is able to resist his imposition. No, I'm fine here, thank you. John returns to the room as the strange woman questions his dumbfounded wife. How were you made? Do you have nude pictures? Maureen is at a loss as to how to answer the invasive questions. The mechanized fondling suddenly stops. The woman awkwardly stands up and says, I want to leave. Her partner then stands up, but remains in that position. John and Maureen watch intently as the couple remain motionless. It looks as though they are waiting for a command. Finally, the woman turns to John with an order. Please move him. I can't move him myself. John approaches the man to give assistance, even though he finds the situation to be extremely bizarre. Unexpectedly, the man jolts into movement. The stranger walks in a careful, deliberate fashion towards the door, and his partner follows in a direct line. The strangers leave without uttering another monotone syllable. For 13 days in September 1976, Dr. Hopkins and his family had to endure psychological torment at the hands of visitors dressed in black. The Blood Moon is setting. Thank you to Cheryl and Anonymous for submitting their stories. A big thank you to Ultimate Human Death Bomb Podcast. You can follow Blood Moon Podcast on social media. The links are below the show's description. Thank you for listening. <laughs>